which 1960 Western and its 2016 remake share a title with the nickname given to the 1996 Olympic U.S. Women's Gymnastics Team. Welcome to Trivial Context, where we give trivia some context. I'm Sean Riley with my all-time trivia partner. Brooke Fout Riley. <laughs> Is it True Grit? That's what I was thinking, but I think True Grit came out earlier than 2016. I have no idea. Yeah. Magnificent Seven. Of course. <laughs> yeah. What is the name of Archie Bunker's son-in-law in the TV show All in the Family? No idea. Okay, third one. <laughs> Michael Stivic, a.k.a. Meathead. Who is the creative force behind binge-worthy series Weeds and Orange is the New Black? Is it Portia whatever? Sure. Nope. Gingy Cohen. Okay, well, you... Two for three. You answered that one, so I say you go first. <laughs> All right. Three's our limit. If we don't get it in three, then we don't do our topic. We each chose today's topic based on one of the six trivia categories picked randomly last week. This week was entertainment. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm just realizing I forgot to do a question. Of course. What? Who? What is my report on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who aided the Dutch resistance against the Nazi regime? And would later become an EGOT winner. Audrey Hepburn. Yep. Yes. Pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Oh, did you the only see mo- my report? No, no, no. Okay. I, we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, the only movie I've seen of hers is My Fair Lady, yeah. which you showed to me. Mm-hmm. And she was, in fact... A fair lady. A fair lady at the end, not in the beginning. She was a disgusting street person. She was still... Fair. Yeah, she was fine. All right. Audrey Kathleen Rustin was born on May 4th, 1929, in Brussels, Belgium. She was born to Baroness Elevan Heemstra and Joseph Victor Anthony Rustin. Given the title, her mother was obviously a noblewoman in the land. <laughs> and her father was a British born bohemian who worked. For the British Trading Company. So you might be wondering where the last name Hepburn comes into play. I always am. So after marrying Ella, he changed his last name to Hepburn Rustin because he thought he was a descendant of James Hepburn, who was the third husband of Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay. Yeah. He, w- he was not, <laughs> but uh, that's what he thought. Anyways, so that's where Hepburn comes from. As a young child, she was very, she lived a very privileged life. She got to travel a lot because her family is from like all different places and they did pretty well for themselves. Unfortunately, when she was just six, her father abandoned the family, moving back to England. And that really affected Audrey. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but she, she went through a lot of hard things in her life, but she still describes her father leaving as the most traumatic event she experienced. Wow. And she she famously said, like, children need two parents. Once he moved, he never visited her. But when she got a little older, he demanded that she go to school in England. So once she turned 12, she moved to Kent to study. Her and her father remained estranged until she found him in the 1960s. They never, like, he didn't really show any, like, care or anything yeah. for her. But she financially supported him until he died. Wow. Yeah. 
sounds like a very selfless person. So you love Audrey Hepburn. I do. Yeah, I think she, and again, the psycho report will show up, but like she was a fantastic human. Like she was just a good person. Yeah. And uh, her movies are classics. She's a style icon. You kind of look like her. I've been told I kind of look like her, (laughs) which is I totally do not deserve because she's beautiful. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of Audrey's. Yeah, she's very cool. I didn't want that to sound like I'm not a big fan of her, because I also am, but I just haven't yeah. been exposed, really. I, yeah, I grew up, again, watching that kind of stuff. And yeah. We played Trivia Pursuit over the weekend, and there was a My Fair Lady question, and I yeah. nailed it. There was also... Accent and all. Yeah. <laughs> Enright Eggins. Enright Eggins. There was also a Stan Musial question, which my parents, who... You're just your dad. Correct. Just my father. Who I know listens to us. And got it wrong. That's true. Everybody got it wrong. I would not have known before your report. Yeah. Same. No, it's <laughs> funny, like, before we decided to do this podcast, trivia didn't really come up in very often in our lives. We got Trivial Pursuit the game because we're like, oh, this is like a classic. We should get it. We played it with my coworker and her husband. It yeah. Really yeah. And, um,. I was horrible at it. That's kind of the reason we started this podcast, to get better at trivia, and it immediately paid off first time we played since starting this podcast. So getting back to the report, while sad that her dad left, it might have worked out for the better, because while unknown for most of Audrey's life by the public, her parents were supporters of the fascist movement, which her father got heavily involved in once he moved back. In 1939, Britain declared war on Germany, and Audrey moved back to the Netherlands to be with her mom. She went by Edda van Heemstra to sound more Dutch and less British. It certainly does. Yes. She also began to study ballet at this time, and she became quite good. Unfortunately, she had some other things to worry about, as did the rest of the world. Her uncle was killed for an act of sabotage that he didn't commit, but it was essentially... Against the Nazi party? Mm-hmm. Essentially, they were looking for an excuse to kill him because he was a Dutch nobleman. Wow. Yeah. Her half-brother also was captured and sent to a German labor camp. And her other half-brother fled and went into hiding so he would avoid that same... I mean... <laughs> yeah, so, like, it, it very heavily affected her family. So how, how do you feel about the Nazis? It's a two-dumps. Two thumbs down situation for me. Okay, yeah. yeah. Just making sure I never asked before. Even though her father was a supporter of the Nazis, uh, her family began supporting the Dutch resistance, as alluded to in the question. This meant that Audrey put on performances to raise money for the cause. She would hand out flyers, pass messages, and volunteered at a hospital that helped heal those wounded on their side. Growing up, I watched a movie called The Audrey Hepburn Story, and I want to think that it's pretty accurate, but I couldn't find the story anywhere. But there's a scene where she's passing a note to, like, a farmer out in the country, and while she's there, Nazis come and kill the farmer. Wow. And she hides in the, like, this little shed. The Nazis stay there for a couple days, and she just sits and sits. She ends up eating toilet bulbs to stay alive. 
And then finally they leave, and she's just completely weak and... Emaciated. Yeah. I couldn't find that story anywhere, so I don't know where that came from, if it's true or not. But even if it's not true, I did find information that said that her family made flour out of tulip bulbs, and that doctors would try and provide that to families during that time, because there was such a famine with the war. Wow. Because of this, she developed acute anemia, respiratory issues, edema all as a result of malnutrition, and this would be a lifelong struggle. She'd become anemic the rest of her life. And you can see, I mean, she's a very thin... Very thin. ...woman. Yeah. Very petite. So that is the reason why. So once the war was over, all of her family money is gone. It was all lost. Again, they were noble people. Yeah. All that money's gone. So they went from being, like, pretty privileged to absolutely nothing starting from zero. And in order to help out... She took odd jobs. She became a cook, um, a cleaning woman for a, for a private, like, estate. Um, and she also turned to film. Her first gig was playing an air stewardess in the movie Dutch in Seven Lessons. She also began to pick up ballet again. And she continued to excel, but unfortunately she was too weak to become a prima ballerina from the war. Like, it really wow. just took such a, a yeah. thing in body. Because of that, she was focused more on acting rather than dancing, which turned out to be a pretty okay move for her. Oh, good, yeah. She also started singing, and she went on the... She started being in, like, shows, like, theater shows. She'd be in the chorus, have little parts here and there. She got a small role in this movie, and while filming, she ran into a woman named Colette, who was a writer who was having her a show on Broadway called Gigi. She immediately fell in love with Audrey and asked her to star in it. And Audrey said, I, I can't star in a show. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a little thing. Like, I don't really know how to act. And she said, you don't have to act. Like, you are her. She was just Gigi. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, in 1951, she made her Broadway debut, and it was a smashing hit. In 1952, she became engaged to James Hansen, someone who she knew from London. They had been friends for a long time, dated for a long time. But she ended up calling it off because she didn't see how it, her career and being his wife would meld together. And she, she wanted to be, like, 100% committed and married. Yeah. So people are starting to notice her more and more after Gigi. And two years later, she got her first starring role on the big screen opposite Gregory Peck in Roman Holiday. She beat out Elizabeth Taylor for the role, which was huge because she was like the biggest name in Hollywood at the time. Director William Wyler said of her, She had everything I was looking for, charm, innocence, and talent. She also was very funny. She was absolutely enchanting. And we said, that's the girl. And originally, it was going to have just Gregory Peck's name on the poster. And then underneath, say, introducing Audrey Hepburn in, like, smaller font. But Gregory suggested to Wyler that he pay her an equal amount. Wow. Which was really cool. Yeah, way to go Gregory. Yeah, and that her name also appear before the title. And he said, you've got to change that because she'll be a big star and I'll look like a big jerk. <laughs> <laughs> looking, at, looking ahead. Yeah. 
Roman Holiday was another huge success. She won an Academy Award for Best British Actress in a leading role. <laughs> and a... Best British Actress. Yeah. Golden Globe for Best Actress. It was so successful that she signed a seven-movie contract with Paramount, and her next film was Sabrina. The Teenage Witch. Nope. Another, like, classic. I'd say when you hear My Fair Lady, there are certain... Or when you hear the name Audrey Hepburn, there are movies that immediately come into mind. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Sabrina. I put Roman Holiday in there. And And My Fair Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, she's in a lot more that are all very good. While still acting on the big screen, she kept up her Broadway appearances. And that same year, she won a Tony for her per- performance in Ondine? 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 I'm not sure. But it was obviously really good because she won a Tony for it. Um, on that set, she also met Mel Fair. And they were married in 1954. Audrey and Mel had a son together named Sean. More successful films followed. In 1961, she got the role of Holly Golightly in Breakfast of Tiffany's, a story by Truman Capote, who wanted Marilyn Monroe to play the character, but Marilyn's agent didn't want her playing a lady of the night. Ah. (laughs) So, Audrey took it, and... This becomes her iconic look. The black dress, the pearls, the oversized glasses, the updo. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, that is Audrey's look, and that is from Breakfast at Tiffany's. In 1964, My Fair Lady comes. Again, she just keeps churning out movies. They're all really successful. Unfortunately, in 1968, her and Mel get a divorce. Later that year, she meets... Uh, Italian psychiatrist Andrea Dodi, Dotti, Dodi, and then they were married January of the next year, so seven months later, and then the following February, February of 1970, they have a son named Luca. Cool. So at this point, she's in semi-retirement. She's really not making any more movies. They go through some trials at this time. She goes through several miscarriages... Towards the end of their marriage, both of them become unfaithful to each other, but they officially get divorced in 1982. In 1980, she starts seeing a man named Robert Wonders, and they would stay together until her death. So, divorced in 82? Met him in 80? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I said they both were. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. They were essentially separated, I think, or just... Very nearly. Care. Yeah. Her last cameo was in Steven Spielberg's Always in 1989. Never even heard of it. Yeah, me either. I was interested to see if you did. She did Gardens of the World with Audrey Hepburn. And there they filmed different scenes in gardens all around the world. Oh, gotcha. And uh, I actually watched one of those videos in one of my horticulture classes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was like rose section. So that was kind of fun to see for me. And then in 1992, it was Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales where she, it was just her reading classic stories. She has like a very calming, soothing, very iconic voice. Unless it's the beginning of my fair (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So that kind of ends her career as an actress. But as early as the 1950s, she began working with UNICEF and did that throughout 
her whole life. She has a really good quote. I was born with an enormous need for affection and a terrible need to give it. That's so nice. she's <laughs> And I think too, like if you are familiar with Audrey Hepburn beyond her roles. Yeah. You picture <laughs> you picture Holly Golightly and then you picture her as an older woman with arms outstretched, like holding malnourished children. Like that's just who she is. In 1989, she became the Goodwill Ambassador for three to four years, working with UNICEF. George H.W. Bush awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her work. And in 2002, the statue called the Spirit of Audrey was unveiled at UNICEF's New York headquarters. And there's like a UNICEF fund under her name as well. So she worked a lot with them. And I think... She probably would have done all those things without having gone through what she did during the war. She literally knew what it was like to be starving, to be malnourished, to be like all of those things. Yeah. Sympathy is a great motivator, but nothing compared to empathy. Yeah. In 1992, she began complaining of stomach pains. And a little bit later, she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. She died peacefully in her sleep January 20th, 1993. But her What's leg- an icon and a legend. Yeah, her legacy obviously still lives on. She's still one of the most popular actresses, I'd say, in the world. And her accolades, you know, I could sit here and list every award she's ever won, both for her, like, career-wise and then also humanitarian-wise. She's a cool lady. Sounds like it. Very good. Brooke, what is... Pokemon short for? Something monster. You're close. It's short for it. Are you asking for the Japanese? No. Okay. I was like, I don't know. You told me. I have? Oh, well, that's how I know it's monster something. <laughs> the answer is not written down. No, it's not. I don't know. Monster something. Pocket. Pocket monster. Yep. Yes. So I'm doing Pokemon. How entertaining. It's so entertainment. It's funny. We both did something we really, really like, and they are very different from one another. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I would say the Pokemon's pretty similar. It's like the Audrey Hepburn of little video games. Anyway, Pokemon is estimated to be the highest grossing media franchise of all time. I believe it. The video game series is the fourth best-selling video game franchise of all time behind Mario and two others. With more than 440 million copies sold and 1 billion mobile downloads. That is a lot. You're yawning. I'm sorry. The Pokemon video game series spawned an an anime television series that has has become the most successful video game adaptation of all time, with over 20 seasons and 1,000 episodes in 192 countries. The Pokemon trading card game is the highest-selling trading card game of all time, with 43.2 billion cards sold. In addition, the Pokemon franchise includes the world's top-selling toy brand, an anime film series, a live-action film, Detective Pikachu, books, manga comics, music, merchandise, and a temporary theme park. Wow. Pretty... Just a few things. Pretty big stuff. (laughs) There are... 905 unique Pokemon, each with their own description, moves, abilities, and stats. The 905 does not include the 54 regional forms that take an existing design and renew it. So it's really like 959. 
The Pokemon have been released across nine generations. The first four are based off specific regions of Japan. Kanto to Kanto, Johto to Kansai, Hoenn to Kyosho, and Sinnoh of Hokkaido. From there, Gen 5 is based loosely off New York, 6 is similar to France, 7 is Hawaii, and 8 is straight up England with Scotland and Ireland as purchable DLC. Generation 9, which is coming out this year, will be set in the Iberian Peninsula, being Spain and Portugal. So, Brooke, acknowledging you don't know every single Pokemon, and the amount of time you've played these games is close to zero, which is your favorite? Whatever, well, look-wise or (laughs) (laughs) personality-wise? I don't know. There's some really cool ones. I like my little Georgie dude, but I don't think he is that cool looking. (laughs) I would agree. Do you remember that, what not his name is? George. Sobble. Sobble. Yeah. Yeah, not my fave, look-wise. I don't, I don't know. I also haven't played it casually in a really long time. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Well, that's okay. I kind of expected that. <laughs> <laughs> don't know mine is? Not Pikachu. Not Pikachu. Mine, I don't know, it changes, like, all the time. I have a soft spot in my heart for Infernape. That was the, my first starter. And other than that, I really like Phantump. Hmm. He's a phantom stump. Phantump. I'm gonna look it up. I'm sure you've showed me. I'm sure I have. It's a with a PH because it's a phantom. Oh, still figured it out. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Where'd you choose a plant? Thanks. I played the original games off of my older siblings, like Game Boys and stuff. But I don't think I really got into it until like I started watching the anime. I was like an elementary school kid. I would walk over to my mom's class because she taught in my school and ask if we could be if we could make it home before four because four is when it aired every day and you know maybe half the time I would be able to get home but what really got me hooked was when my parents bought me a DS with Pokemon Diamond. These days I only really play the games and kind of only when I'm doing something else like if I'm watching TV or or something Mm -hmm. and I've never had too much interest in the cards but I do own a few. So that's my resume for my Pokemon <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty much all you play video game-wise. Yeah, it, it really is. There's a sense of progression I get from playing it that I don't get with other games. Yeah, and it's pretty casual. It's so said. casual. Yeah, I can look up for 30 minutes and nothing will happen. And that's great. Because <laughs> I'm always looking up. So Pokemon started in 1996 with Pokemon Red version and Green version. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm sure it came out near the, near the end of the year. <laughs> Not including the different versions of basically the same game. So Pokemon Red and Green, or Red and Blue, or Gold and Silver, Ruby, Sapphire, and so on and so on. Not including those, there have been 20 games, with 21 coming out later this year. Those are what we call mainline games. Including spin-offs, there are 122 officially licensed Pokemon games. Wow. Yes. Before the games came about, the Pokemon executive director, Satoshi Tajiri, first thought of Pokemon, albeit with a different concept and name, around 1989. The concept of the Pokemon universe, in both the video games and the general fictional world of Pokemon, stems from the hobby of insect collecting, a popular pastime which Tajiri enjoyed as a child. Nice. Yeah. I'm not... Makes sense. Yeah. I don't quite remember who is the lead artist, but I think they also, like, were really into insect collecting as a kid. 
and he's responsible for like the first three or so generations of Pokemon and you can really see like there's a dip after they stop being the lead artists in the bugs specifically <laughs> like in the, yeah first three there's amazing like these days you're kind of like oh they're all just butterflies but to them like oh no it's this butterfly and this butterfly and, and so on and I think that's very interesting yeah it's pretty fun yeah so what are you doing when you play these games do you remember Brooke yeah you're catching Pokemon Good job. To train them and battle them. Yeah. So nearly every game has the same concepts. You start your adventure. You travel across the region battling gym leaders, normally, of which there are eight. You grow stronger the whole time along the way. And then you eventually challenge the Pokemon League to fight the champion of the region and claim your title as the new champion. Along the way, you normally stop a criminal organization or two from either being thieves or destroying all of reality to build a new one. So, large range there. Yeah. <laughs> and most importantly, as you said, you gotta catch them all. So, collecting, naming, which you love, mm -hmm. and growing your Pokemon is everything in these games. Some personal favorites of, of mine. Do you remember the big buffalo that you caught? Freddy? Harry. Harry. Caught a big buffalo with a big afro. Took you so long, you got so upset with it, because it kept breaking out of the pokeball over and over and over again you finally caught it you name it harry you go to your box you had already caught one and you had already <laughs> named the other one harry yeah <laughs> so good oh man yeah i take great pride in uh, apparently those things just look like a harry <laughs> yeah i mean they're harry very consistent yeah i mean it's a big afro so or it has a big afro <laughs> no it just is <laughs> So I personally play what are called Nuzlocks, a set of self-inflicted rules to increase the difficulty of this children's game. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I shiny hunt. I search for a Pokemon of a different color to their species, which are about 1 in 4,096 odds. Sounds good. Yep, it's so fun. Again, that's where I get my sense of like always moving forward. Like, I could start a new game, play through it, find one shiny Pokemon, and then I could throw that in my, like, all the games are connected through this, like, the specific app. Mm -hmm. And, like, it can store it there, and I can bring it into the next game, and, and like, they're all there traveling with me. So, that's where I get my sense of progression, that, like, if I were to play a, I don't know, a Call of Duty, say, in three years, there's going to be two more Call of Duties that have come out. Like, instead of really playing the one that I enjoy, I feel like I would have to move on to the next one, and all my progress would be lost. Like, I don't know. That's just not for me. So, to wrap up, I will talk about Pokemon Fever. It's basically when it came out in the mid-90s, it was everything. It hit Japan first, because those games came out first there. Uh, and probably more uh, intense there, but yeah. Here in the mid-90s, that's all anybody, you know, 8 to... 14, 15, I don't know, we're talking about. Even older. And this was mirrored about 20 years later with Pokemon Go. Yeah. So I actually was kind of out of the loop. I didn't have internet for like three weeks. And those three weeks in 2016 were when Pokemon Go was launched. <laughs> so when I came back and everyone was like, wow, Pokemon Go. And then it's so funny to be like, you know, it being about two and a half weeks old and people be like, yeah, I'm already over it. Like I don't play it anymore. And then other people were like, oh, that's all I do every day. From Google.com, extrapolating this average effect size to 25 million Pokemon Go users in the United States, we found that Pokemon Go 
added 144 billion steps within the first 30 days to the U.S. physical activity. <laughs> Just the U.S. This is equivalent to walking around the equator 2,724 times or 143 round trips to the moon. Yeah, I came back into the country right after Pokemon Go was launched. You were in China at the time? Yeah. Did it launch in China? Because I know, I know mainland China is weird with apps. Yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. But I literally think it launched and then like the next week I was back in the States. And it was weird. Like, I just came back and there'd be people just standing in the middle of a sidewalk. Or like mass gatherings yeah. in parks. Nose buried in their phone. Yeah. Flicking their finger on the <laughs> I screen. I was like, oh, America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's still going huge. Like, yeah, I think I, I don't have any numbers to to report specifically, but I mean, last week we saw people at Disneyland doing it. That's true. Yeah, um, waiting in line. I'm sure that's a great pastime. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a completely free game. There are a few things you can occasionally pay for, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. The best kind of game. Yeah, <laughs> but if you like run out of Pokeballs and you can't catch anything, you can spend real life money to buy more. You don't have to. Like, you you can get quite a few if you are willing to walk and, and go to all these places. But you have that option. And, like, Pokemon Go makes over a billion dollars every year still off of that app. That's nuts. Yeah, and it's been six years. So, aside from that, there's competitive Pokemon video games. There's competitive trading card game stuff. Uh, I don't know much about that. I've played a little bit of competitive Pokemon and, like, online and stuff and... It's fun. I, I have a good time, but my true passion is the shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I see you involved with, like, random online people, you're not having a good time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they doing that? They're, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is my report, and there's so much more to talk about with Pokemon, but... Yeah, I felt the same with Audrey. Yeah. I'm not going to go through every movie. And, oh, sorry, you're not going to go through every movie, and I'm not no. going to go through every game. But, um, yeah, hit me up if you have any questions. i love to talk about it. Yeah, you do. You can do so at TrivialConPod at gmail.com. But are we done for the week? We are done for the week. Okay, so let's wrap up the episode with a die roll to choose our topic for next week. Because this is the new round, anything goes. Could be any of the six categories. It's a two. It's entertainment again. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tempted to re-roll, but that's okay. Alright, well, back at it again next week. I have a question to ambush you with. Do you think it'd be fun for this next round, these next six, to do reports on what the other person is like really interested in? So, for example, last week you did sports and leisure on the Rubik's Cube. And I'm not, like, crazy into the Rubik's Cube, but I know quite a bit about it. And I thought that was a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. So c- trying to do that for next six, for the next six weeks, entertainment, you could choose what you think is one of my favorite movies to do a, a report on. It doesn't have to be that. Or one of my favorite actors, one of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I could do the same for you. So we'd still choose our own topic. We wouldn't yeah. assign the other person a topic. Correct, yeah. Okay. It's what you think... Not what I would choose, but something that I am interested in. Right, right, right. Okay. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, if you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe. And even tell a friend. 
yeah also leaving a five star review would be super helpful helps us grow the, the little channel and thank you so much for listening bye